Welcome to the 200th episode, yes you heard me right, the 200th episode of the 4th and 24 podcast with Patrick Winograd. Unfortunately, it is just me today as my uh, dad is on a business trip. Sad that he coincidentally misses uh, the 200th, even though, you know, he's probably missed less than 6 or 7% of the overall ones. Uh, but, you know what, the show must go on, as we know. Um, we've survived a move to college and many other things um, to keep this podcast going. So, 200th episode, it's going to come out on time no matter what. Uh, it is what it is, but we will still be featuring some of his thoughts as uh, after a brief overview of my weekend predictions, we will have both of our previews of the NBA playoffs. I'll be reading off his picks uh, that we decided over the phone before. Um, and then our week, our my recap, I should say, uh, of the first week and a half of MLB season, but obviously... Very, very uh, big occasion to get to 200 episodes on the podcast. Uh, not not an exact uh, marker of two years on the dot of recording or anything like that because at some point, you know, it was twice a week. At some point, it was once a week. So somewhere in between the two and three years mark, I believe two and a half-ish years. Um, I think it started December, late December 2020 is when I believe we recorded our first episode. But without further ado... Let's jump right in with a look at my weekend predictions. We will start uh, in the NBA, where I went 4-0 this week. Uh, I, I advised many people to not really watch these games because it was really just a, a factor of a few teams were still trying and other teams weren't. I picked the teams that were trying while picking some other teams and some close games as well, um, but mostly not, not predictions that were particularly hard, to be quite honest. Uh, but I'll talk about them anyway. The Grizzlies beat the Bucks 137-114. to 114. Uh, The Pelicans beat the Knicks 113-105. to 105. The Lakers beat the Suns 121-107. to 107. And finally, the Nuggets beat the Kings 109-95. All of those were correct picks for me, obviously, as I went 4-0. The NBA, I mean, sorry, in the MLB, we already did the NBA. Uh, not, not the same story, to be quite honest. Uh, it is what it is, but... I did have a rough week there. Um, I went 1-3 in my predictions. Uh, the Yankees took 2-3 of three from the Orioles, which is a win for me. The Twins took 2-3 of three from the Astros. That was a loss. The Brewers took 2-3 of three from the Cardinals. That was a loss. And the Blue Jays took 2-3 of three from the Angels. That was also a loss. But look, every single team I picked lost the first game of the series. So this could have ended up a lot worse than... No no sweeps against my teams and still getting one right. Um, the Astros just not getting off to an amazing start uh, on the season. I thought this might be the season, the series, excuse me, that turns it around for them. Same thing with my thought process of picking the Brewers, but just not those teams' uh, weeks. You could even say they're years for now. Um, but the fact of the matter is, they lost the series. It is what it is. Uh, the Brewers were able to, or sorry, I guess I, I think I said the Brewers, I picked the Cardinals. Uh, the Cardinals left a lot of men on base. I believe 18, I think, was the number um, on Sunday after tying the series up at one. So just a lot of missed opportunities there. Some familiar stories around the league, though. The Dodgers are doing the same thing. I believe only one hit now uh, with runners in scoring position in their losses this season, which is, uh, or, or at least going into Sunday's game, I believe that was the stat. So, it's a common thing. Teams are taking a little bit to uh, get on board, and obviously 
some inconsistencies there. The Giants have had a super inconsistent offensive season, but I'll stop going on that tangent and talk about that more when we talk about MLB. Uh, but the Blue Jays-Angels series was amazing. Um, back and forth games, there were multiple points in both games, or in the last game, where you could just turn the TV off thinking that the game was over, but it was never over. Uh, the Angels were up 4 to nothing. Uh, the Blue Jays were, or, or actually, I think the Angels were up six to nothing. The Blue Jays got a grand slam to cut it to six to four in the final game of the series, tied it eventually at six. Then eventually took the lead ten to six into the eighth inning, and then the Angels came back from ten to six down to tie the game actually and send it in extra innings, where the Blue Jays eventually won twelve to eleven. So a pretty ridiculous uh, game there to end that series, but yeah, worth a rewatch if you want at least the highlights. But overall, I should have mentioned earlier. That brought me to a 5-3 combined record, which is 705 and 40, 448 overall. Um, a 61.1% winning percentage overall, so pretty good there. Uh, obviously, as always, my predictions for next weekend will be posted on our website on Thursday. And they will include the MLB as well as NBA playoff predictions. So let's get into the NBA playoffs. We will talk about all this stuff, but first... Let's explain what's going on with the play-in. In the West, you have New Orleans versus Oklahoma City. In the 9-10 game, the winner plays the loser of the Lakers and Minnesota. The winner of that game becomes a 7 seed. The loser, as I mentioned, plays the 9-10 winner um, to be the 8 seed and face Denver. In the East, obviously same format. Toronto will play Chicago. Uh, that game in Toronto. Um the winner will play the loser of Miami and Atlanta. The winner is the seven seed. The loser plays the 9-10 winner to be the eight seed. Um, so some interesting games there in the play-in. Um, a few familiar faces, big names uh, throughout. Obviously, you have the crazy story that is OKC after everybody predicted them to pretty much be doing nothing all season long uh, to get them all the way into the playoffs is pretty crazy. Uh, but then you also have a story like New Orleans where they've dealt with their fair share of injuries, but... A really good roster overall that just hasn't ever been healthy enough to put it fully together. And then the Lakers, really the same thing, although they are fully healthy at the right time with the reloaded and re and, and kind of new look reinvigorated roster. But uh, we won't be making our predictions for each individual play-in game. However, um, we will be making our predictions for the Western and Eastern Conference playoffs. And as a result, you'll know who we have playing who, I guess. So maybe we are making our predictions slightly, um, but we'll start in the Western Conference. I have the Nuggets beating whoever comes out uh, as the eight seed in six games. The only caveat would be in, if it's the Lakers, I think I would take uh, the Nuggets still in seven games, maybe lean picking the Lakers, but I just don't see, I, I don't think that if the Lakers are going to play the at the level that we think they're going to play at considering their new roster, um, that they would lose in that first play-in game. And if they do, then maybe they're back to the old Lakers that I'm not necessarily the, the, the Lakers team that started the season two and 10, um, but not a good enough form to knock off the Nuggets, in my opinion. Um, my dad says Nuggets in five. Um, for the Grizzlies versus the seven seed, we agree again. Me, uh, I'm going with a few more uh, or one more game than my dad. Once again, I have the Lakers beating the Grizzlies in seven games, although this is really this is probably the hardest series to pick just because it's a tale of two different teams. The Grizzlies had a very weird end to the season, obviously, uh, with everything surrounding the John Morant situation, whereas the 
Grizzlies, or sorry, whereas the Lakers just had a really, really hot hot end to the season. And then also, you don't even know if these, this matchup is going to happen. Um, but if it's Minnesota, I would definitely pick the Grizzlies in that 2-7 rematch of last year. Um, definitely would be picking the Grizzlies in that rematch if it were to happen. Um, but I think it will be the Lakers. Then moving on to the series that really hurts me to be objective about. Um, I'm 100% pulling for the Kings for so many different reasons. Obviously, you know all the reasons. Um, I'm a I'm a Kings fan that is definitely out there about that. However, for objective reasons, and also because I've reverse jinxed the Kings maybe four or five times uh, towards the end of the season in my predictions, I'm picking the Warriors in six games. Um, I I honestly do think that this will be the most entertaining series, um, with the exception of Cavs Knicks. I think that's the other one uh, to look out for. And then probably whatever series the Lakers are in, but it honestly depends on the matchup for how interesting that's going to be and if they're even in the playoffs in the first place because it's not a guarantee that they get out of the play-in bracket, although to many it may seem like it is a guarantee. Um, I will say, with all that, um, this is going to be an interesting series. I have the Warriors in six. My dad has the Kings in seven because he said, can't have the same predictions as you for everything. Um, And as you're about to see... In the series between the Suns and the Clippers, we both have the Suns in six games. I just don't think that without Paul George um, that the Clippers are really going to have a chance in the series. I, I just, I don't see how, if you're having Kawhi guard LeBron, I mean, sorry, guard KD, which is, I guess, my assumption on how that would work out. I just don't see how the other four guys are going to match up well with Booker and CP3. I just don't see the matchups there. Um, favoring the Clippers whatsoever. So, with that, I'm picking the Suns to win that series. And now we will move on to our preview of the Eastern Conference. In the matchup of the Milwaukee Bucks and the 8th seed, who we don't know who it's going to be, we both have the Bucks in five games, no matter who it is. Um, I just think the Bucks are too dominant. They, I mean, really, it's as simple as that. Um, they have the most playoff experience. They are too dominant. The only thing, the only team that can maybe give them some trouble um, is the Miami Heat. They're really the only team that can give any of the top three some trouble, but I really don't think they're going to give anybody that much trouble because this Heat team is not as strong as Heat teams of the past, in my opinion. Um, you know, they still have Jimmy Butler as kind of the engine that's power, the motor of the team, the guy who's kind of powering it all, but I still just don't see this team having the same level of potential. And because of that, I will be picking the Bucks in five games. My dad as well. Moving on from that, we will go to the Celtics against the seven seed. Uh, I have the Celtics in six if it's the Heat, and in five if it's the Hawks. I do believe that the Heat are a tad better than the Hawks to the point that they would push the Celtics an extra game. Part of that is what happened last year in that series. Uh, those rosters incredibly, incredibly similar um, to those to the former forms that they were in last year. Um, but I will say that this year, Celtics, the Bucks. The 76ers, they look too dominant in an Eastern Conference that, albeit, honestly, you could make the argument had a better year than the Western Conference. You could make the argument. I'm not going to make the argument. Um, but, you know, it, it's possible to make that argument. And uh, as a result, um, I, I just think that, you know, you can argue all you want that because the East was technically deeper, there's a chance that um, these teams could push those top teams farther, but I really don't think the East actually was deeper. I actually just think 
that the East was better overall because the top contenders are way better than the top teams in the West. Um, and that big three of the Bucks, Celtics, and Sixers is really kind of spearheading that um, that kind of debate there. Um, so Celtics, just a little bit too dominant for the Heat or the Hawks to handle. Um, and moving on from that, speaking of too dominant, the 76ers versus the number six seed in Nets. The Nets are lucky to still have the six seed. It's, you know, they have a roster that's a shell of its former um, roster. I don't really know who on the roster is going to step up in the playoffs considering mostly a lack of experience. I guess you could say that the guys that they got in the Mavericks trade as well as Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson have some playoff experience. They did play each Actually, those guys did play each other in the Western Conference Finals. Or sorry, the Western Conference Semifinals um, last year in that Suns-Mavericks series. But I will say I really don't think that um, those guys have had significant, I, I guess I'll say, important enough playoff experience in the roles that they're in now on their teams that they'll be able to, uh, you know, deal with that pressure um, and carry it over to a win over the Sixers. As such, I have the Sixers in five. My dad has the Sixers in a sweep. I will never, ever predict a sweep because it does happen, but it's so unlikely that it happens. Um, well, not that it, not it's unlikely that it happens, but I've seen big series upsets, and I don't want to be the person who has called for a sweep, and in the end, the team that, that I called to get swept actually wins the series. Um, if there were ever a series to pick a sweep, though, that being said, this would be one of the top ones. I think I have picked it in the past, but, you know, for very, very special occasions, like a one seed against an extremely weak eight seed. Um, but moving on from that, I said this series might be the most interesting, and because of that, I'm going to spend the, the longest time talking about it. The number four Cavaliers against the fifth-seeded Knicks. Um, I'm very excited for this. I don't think it's going to be, you know, a crazy, um, amazing series with just stars all over the place. But the fact of the matter is these two teams are pretty evenly matched, um, and they should make a very good four and five seed matchup. They have very interesting players. I don't I don't really think there is one. I guess maybe that would be disrespectful to say to Donovan Mitchell and maybe to an extent Julius Randle, but more so Mitchell, um, that there isn't really a big first-tier star in this game. But it, I really do think that this is a good example of good teams that don't have a complete superstar on their team that can still kind of be dangerous. You know, maybe they're not in that big three like the Bucks, the Celtics, and the Sixers are, thanks to the likes of Jason Tatum, Giannis, and Joel Embiid. But at the same time, these teams are still very, very good teams, and will absolutely challenge whoever they play, or whichever one of them advances, will challenge whoever will challenge the one seed uh, in the next round. That being the Bucks. Uh, but because of that, look, I will say um, I'm going to go. With Evan Mobley and the Cavs, I know I've just mentioned Donovan Mitchell as a star, but you know saw some chatter about the Evan Mobley Evan Mobley Defensive Player of the Year talk. Um, so I'll throw his name in there as well. Um, I have them in seven, though. I think this is going to be a really great series. It's going to be a really close series. I'm very very excited to watch it. And just to be contrarian, my dad has picked the Knicks in seven. Although I really said this is a true toss up series, um, and especially in the East. It should be the closest series by a good, pretty big margin. 
Um, but I'm very excited to watch the series. I'm very excited for the NBA playoffs in general. There are a lot of interesting storylines, a lot of lower-seeded teams that ended the year with interesting situations, whether you talk about the Lakers' injury situation or you talk about the Timberwolves' uh, altercation situation, I guess is the best way I'm going to describe that. Um, but look, just a very interesting season in the NBA, as always. You know, you got Kyrie Irving and KD switching sides, going to the West after being in the East, and then obviously Kyrie Irving not even making the playoffs. We don't have the Mavericks in the playoffs this year. So, you know, it's a very, very interesting year, um, and I can't wait to watch the playoffs. That being said, the other thing that I couldn't wait for for so long is finally here, so let's go ahead and talk about it. The MLB, starting with the standings in the AL East after the first week and a half or so of games. We will start, as always, with the AL East uh, in the AL East, the Tampa Bay Rays are at the top at 10-0, the best record in baseball, obviously, uh, so far. I, be, I believe the best start in over 20 years or so. Um, the Blue Jays are in second, 6-4. and four. The Yankees are tied with them, also at 6-4. and four. And the Red Sox and the Orioles are five games back, each at 5-5. Five and five. Uh, Look, up and down this division, it's just going to be a grind all year. All these teams are really, really good. Um, and because of that, it'll just be a fight nonstop. We'll have to see who comes out on top. Right now, it's looking like the Rays are uh, trying to cement their uh, place in this race very, very early in the year. Um, obviously, the favorite in this division is definitely the Yankees, but dealing with some injury struggles at the beginning of the year, and that's kind of hampered them so far. Uh, but look, the Rays are just off to an unbelievable start, a 58 Sorry, a plus 58 run differential. Uh, that's ridiculous. Um, they're giving up less than two runs per game in the first 10 games. They were giving up, they've given up 18 in 10, which, do the math, is 1.8 per game. Um, and their offense is scoring 7.5 runs per game. And then even yesterday, they got, I think, a one nothing win off of a Brandon Lau homer. So they're winning, really, in a variety of ways. Uh, their pitching is solid, as always, and their lineup has started off the year very, very hot, and that is to be expected considering the talent that they've always had but that maybe hasn't been healthy at times. Obviously, they've had Randy Orozarena and Yandy Diaz pretty consistently for the past few years, but Brandon Lau being healthy and same as Wander Franco is a welcome sight um, for baseball fans that are just there to enjoy talent, and the Rays are benefiting from those guys being healthy. It is a big plus to their team, and that has allowed them to start off 10-0 Albeit their first nine games were against probably the three worst teams in the league, but I gave them all the credit first so that I could say that as just, you know, a caveat because they did play the Tigers, the A's, and the Nationals, and then they played the Red Sox for one game, but they were able to win that game as well. So uh, still not the greatest teams, but at the same time, uh, it's still impressive to go 10-0 and 0, nonetheless. It doesn't really matter who you play. That's still really hard to do. Um, in terms of the Blue Jays and the Yankees, Blue Jays just up and down. Their pitching staff really hasn't figured it out yet, and I don't know if they will. Uh, but that's kind of been the thing that's been the main thorn um, in their sides uh, for them is just that their pitching can't really sustain um, games other than really Kevin Gosman, who has been consistent over the past few years. But Barrios is off to a little bit of a rough start again. Chris Bassett hasn't even been that great to start the year. So they've kind of slugged out some games and gotten some wins with high, high, high scoring games. But at the same time, they'll take the 6-4 and four start, just hope that their pitching can get better as the year goes on. Um, for the Yankees, their pitching has actually been 
surprisingly good considering their injury situation. The offense actually is the worst in this division. They're still nowhere near, you know, the floor that the Royals and the Tigers and the A's have set in terms of the worst in AL. Um, and, you know, they're almost better than every team in the Central, in the NL Central, I should say. But it is worth noting that they're really pretty much in the middle of the pack in the league and run scored. And as, as such, that's why they're 6-4. and four. Um, They're pitching as I said, has been pretty solid considering the injury situation, uh, which is a good thing for them to start out the year, as when they get healthy, they're going to get even better. Um, And then you have the Red Sox, who... Actually, I'll just group the Red Sox and the Orioles together. Why not? Um, Played against each other in the first series of the year. Uh, The Orioles should have won the series, but they lost lost 2-0-3 in that series. That's really the difference between them being tied with the Yankees and the Blue Jays at 6-4 and and off to a solid start. But they're 5-5, five and five. they've scored 50 runs, they've allowed 50 runs. The perfect middle-of-the-pack team, uh, which is right about where most people had them heading into the season. So very, very consistent, but we'll see if the rookies can maybe kind of break out um, break out of their shells a little bit, play even better as the year goes on, and as such, maybe the Orioles will um, start to play better as a team. Obviously, that will come down to things like, you know, Grayson Rodriguez coming up uh, this this week, I believe yesterday, actually. Um, and making a start. All those things, all those factors are going to be things that should propel the Orioles to be better as the season goes on, Um, similar to another team that we'll get to in our last division. But I'll move on from the AL East, moving on to the AL Central now. In that division, the Cleveland Guardians are in the lead at 7-4. A half game back of them are the Minnesota Twins at 6-4. The White Sox are 5-6. The Royals are 3-8. And and the Tigers are 2-7. Um, I will start at the top of this division by saying that, once again, this is by far the worst division in baseball. Um, it is what it is. Uh, Cleveland was able to pull out the win last year with a few of the other teams, I think, finishing second and third were under 500. But, I mean, you look at the AL East, and there are every single team in the AL East would be third or better in the Central. Um, none of the teams would be anywhere near last. They would all be many games ahead of last, even the two teams that are tied for last place. And, you know, just overall, we know that this division is kind of lacking in talent. They have some young teams that have yet to really have their talent blossom. And then you have the White Sox who are kind of caught in limbo with a bunch of injury issues. But a pretty relatively expensive roster considering how young it is in certain parts of it. It's really hard to explain, but they're stuck in limbo is the best way to say it. Uh, But the Twins, positively, they started off the year 6-2. and Very good start. And then they lost two in a row, losing the last game of the series to the Astros, and then losing yesterday to the White Sox. Uh, they started off 5-6, and six, lost some tough games to the Giants, and really, other than Dylan Cease's starts, this team has just not gotten off to a good start whatsoever. Um, then you have the Royals, who are 3-8. and eight. They've kind of had the same thing as the White Sox, except for a little bit worse, because they have a little bit less talent. They have young talent. They should get better as the year goes on but still not going to be a playoff team or anything like that. They just don't quite have that level yet. They're not even at the level as another young team, say, like the Orioles. Um, and the same thing is true with the Tigers. They're 2-7 and seven to start the season. Same old, same old with them. We thought that they could show a glimmer of hope after they had the great end uh, to the season a few years ago, finished 77-85. and 85. I think that was two years ago. But then this year, just it just hasn't worked out for them. Um, in the last two years, they tried to make signings to get better and their signings just haven't really pulled through. And then they've been injured a lot too, but 
there are no excuses for being as bad as they are. They, it, just the roster was not put together well, and uh, it, it's time to let the prospects kind of take the spots of the veterans, in my opinion. Um, but going back to the top of this division, because I kind of skipped over them, Cleveland playing solid baseball. They're just doing what they're supposed to do. They have good pitching. They have good hitting. Uh, they improved their hitters in the offseason for sure. Definitely got better in the lineup. They're 7-3 and three in their last 10, which is notable because they, I think they did start off the season 0-2. Uh, at least they were 0-1, um, as we know. So they've won two in a row also. Uh, definitely trending up. Uh, I said um, off podcast that uh, when discussing MLB with my dad that, you know, the Twins probably not going to hold this position for very long. And since then, they've lost two games in the row. And the Guardians have already taken first place back. I expect it to stay that way. But let's move on to a division where the first place team is a little bit of a surprise. Uh, it's the Texas Rangers who are leading the AL West at 6-4 and four right now. They have won two games in a row. The Angels are 5-5, five and five, one game back of them. The Astros are 5-6, and six, struggling out of the gates. Uh, and the Mariners are 4-7, and seven, also struggling. Then you have the A's who are 2-8. and eight. I don't know if we're ever going to talk about them. If you want to talk about the Rays, uh, this is quite literally the exact opposite of the Rays. You know, the Tigers are 2-7, and seven, but they're minus 35 in run differential. They've scored one fewer run than Oakland, but they've given up 15 less as well. Uh, Oakland has given up 77 runs, which is by far the worst in the AL, by far the worst in the majors. And to pair that, to pair that with other factors, they're also only scoring more runs per game, more runs period than the Tigers are. And they've actually played 10 games, which is more than the Tigers have because the Tigers have only played nine. Um, so the A's are just horrible. Uh, that was to be expected. When you look at their roster, it's just not that talented. As a result, it's not a surprise to see them struggle as much as they have. Uh, but let's go back to the top of the division. Look, there are four teams here that are all playoff contenders for sure. The Rangers, the Angels, the Astros, and the Mariners. Uh, we thought that the Astros and the Mariners were going to be at the top of this division again like they were last year. But really, the Astros have struggled without Jose Altuve. Their lineup hasn't been producing at the level as it normally does. Even their pitching hasn't been as great as normal, but I think they're just going to tread water and kind of stay afloat. They've now won two in a row, actually, um, after a rough start to the season and, you know, a rough series in Minnesota where they lost a game in extra innings. Um, they are, it looks like at least, they're starting to pull it together a little bit more. Uh, meanwhile, the Rangers had a really hot start to the season. Then they cooled off a little bit, and now they seem to be catching fire. Again, won two in a row. Um, their pitching has been surprisingly good. Andrew Heaney, namely, recently has been really good. Uh, it's it's interesting that this team started off the year with DeGrom giving up, three I, I think, eight runs or seven runs in three innings. But then not only did they win that game in a huge comeback, but they've also continued to pitch well really outside of that outing. Um, so a surprising start for the Rangers there. Uh, and then you have the Angels, who are 5-5, five and five, just... Kind of doing their thing. I mean, you know, they've had some games where uh, Otani and Trout have hit homers and they've lost 4-3. to three. They've had a game, they, they had a game on Sunday where the Blue Jays beat them 12-11 to 11 in extras after they were up 6 to nothing. Uh, so I don't really know if this is just the same old Angels as always that are going to choke away a playoff spot and just be very close, very dangerous, very talented, but not quite there. But we'll just have to see what happens as the season goes on. And then the Mariners, if I didn't really address it, kind of similar to the Astros. They're just struggling a little bit out of the gate. They might not have as many excuses as the Astros do because the the Astros are missing Jose Altuve. Uh, the Mariners are not missing a, a big star, to my knowledge. Um, definitely not Julio Rodriguez or Ty France or anybody like that. So they might have less excuses. 
um, to be as poor as they've been to start the season. But I have faith that they will obviously bring it together and play better at the end of the year. And obviously this is all 10, 9, 10, 11 games into the season. So all this is really overreactions. I'm just trying to analyze the week as much as I can, uh, take away what I can. But without, without further ado, uh, let's move on to the NL. We will start in the NL East where the Braves are currently on top, to be expected, uh, at 7-4. and four. Pitching pretty good this year, probably the thing that's been uh, motoring them the most, in my opinion. Uh, they did lose, a, they did drop a series to the Padres, but at the same time, it doesn't really matter. The Padres are a pretty good team, pretty talented um, as well. So the Braves not taking too much shame in losing that series. Um, and it was a close one for sure. Uh, so we'll just have to see what keeps happening with them. Right behind them, you have the Mets, who are 6-5. and five. Then you have the rest of the division. Uh, we thought it was going to be a big three and then the bottom two, but the Phillies have started off the season really, really poor. Obviously, they have a lot of injuries they're dealing with, but Bryce Harper is not coming back soon. Uh, Reese Hoskins isn't coming back at all this season. So you can say that they have the injury excuse, but the difference with you know a team like the Astros, where Altuve is probably returning in five to six weeks, I believe, is that it's one guy, he's coming back soon. These guys on the Phillies are not coming back soon. I mean, after the All-Star break, that is, it's April. The All-Star break is not until the actual summer. I forget if it's June or July. I don't know why I'm forgetting this, but at least two months, two, three months-ish for Bryce Harper. Um, although you never know because of long-term injuries, guys can come back for early from them or even late from them. So we'll see. But they're going to have to deal with their injuries. Um, and they haven't done a great job of doing that so far. Then you have the Marlins, who are 4-7. and seven. The upgraded lineup is actually not an upgrade. Um, well, it, it will be over the course of the year, but so far it hasn't played like that. The only team scoring less runs than the uh, Marlins are the Royals, the Tigers, and the A's. So good luck uh, to the Marlins uh, in terms of winning games when really all you got is Sandy Alcantara and the lineup that's fourth worst in the majors. They have to, they have to play better than this offensively. Um, or else they're not going to have a chance. But at the same time, their pitching hasn't been great either. Um, 61 runs given up is the is tied with the Nationals for the most in the National League. So that's pretty bad as well. Uh, but speaking of the Nationals, we know what's going on with this team. They're young. They're 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 young. Um, they got guys that need to just kind of find their way in the majors. They're still at least two or three years away from contending for a title. They could maybe be a dark horse playoff team, maybe a Diamondbacks like type team. By next year, maybe at the end of the year. Um, but I, I think they're still two or three w years away, uh, probably more than that, from a championship window for sure. Um, unless they get some serious upgrades or unless some of those rookies come up, you know, if you have like three or four guys, if C.J. Abrams comes up and has a has a uh, Julio Rodriguez type season, then I mean, then I don't know. I mean, <laughs> then that would change the conversation uh, but and, and would also probably change their strategy. But that's not the way it's looking right now. Uh, but let's move on to the NL Central, where some of the young teams are actually doing pretty well, and some of the veteran teams are doing not so well. Uh, let's start with the Brewers, who are seven and three, had a very hot start to the season. Were seven and two, second best record in baseball, only behind the Rays, of course. But lost their last game. Uh, their pitching has been the thing carrying them for sure. Their staff has only allowed 26 runs so far this year. That is second only to the Tampa Bay Rays, um, just a little bit ahead of the Yankees, who are in third. Uh, as the three teams who have given up less than 30 runs on the year. Very impressive feat uh, through 10 games especially. But look, a good run differential for the Brewers. Uh, plus 22 
that ranks only behind, I believe, the Dodgers. Yeah, the Dodgers and the Rays. That's the only teams, or those are the only teams that they rank behind in run differential. So it's clearly been a pretty dominant start for them. Uh, it's surprising to me that they've been this good. I'm not necessarily a person who thinks that this roster is built to compete. Um, not compete, but contend for a title. But they do have a bunch of highly rated prospects that if they can actually play up to their highest level, then maybe that's the case. And maybe if Christian Yelich can kind of regain that MVP form, then maybe we will see a dominant Brewers team throughout the season. In the rest of the division, you have a little bit of uh, surprise everywhere. Um, the Pittsburgh Pirates have started off the season hot. They are 6-4 and four in second place, although they lost O'Neill Cruz to a fractured ankle. He's looking to be out two to three months, um, I think, at this point. So that's going to be a big issue uh, for them. Actually, I think three or four months. I don't exactly remember, but it's a, it's a significant amount of time, I can tell you that much. Um, and missing a star like that for that long for a young team that doesn't really have uh, that much outside of their young stars, they are going to struggle a little bit without him. Um, but this has been a good start to the season, and you can start to see the Pirates maybe turning the corner a little bit. Maybe if their ownership finally decides to sign a free agent or two uh, next year, maybe you could see this team as a playoff team. Maybe they could even sneak in with the expanded format this year. The NL is kind of a little bit injury-riddled when you think about the Phillies. You have uh, you have some injuries that the Dodgers are dealing with in the pitching staff. Uh, you also have just overall, I think, less depth amongst the teams, I think, other than the NL East and the NL West as well. Uh, none of the divisions, or I guess that makes it only the Central, but I think that maybe all the divisions have a top two that are probably going to make the playoffs, but that last spot is going to be very interesting. Um, it'll probably be the Phillies, but at the same time, if they continue to struggle with their injury issues, then maybe, you know, you could see a team like the Diamondbacks, a team like the Pirates sneak in kind of behind them, or even you could see that if the Cardinals continue to play the way they've played to start the year, maybe the Pirates just take that second spot from the Central, but... Uh, since I spoke about them, let, let's get through the rest of the division, I guess. Uh, the Cubs are at 5-4, and four, the Reds are at 4-5, and five, and finally you have the St. Louis Cardinals at the bottom of the division with the worst record in the National League at 3-7, and seven, a lineup that people touted as the best in the majors uh, before the season has really failed to produce so far. We know that this team is weak in pitching. Their pitching has been, you know, in the middle of the pack, and that's about where people expected them to be, and that's the factor that is holding them back from being, you know, championship favorites to be honest uh but at the same time when their lineup isn't producing this is what's going to happen uh and their lineup just hasn't produced that much uh 10 games in 40 runs scored that if you can do math is which i can't but i can do that math um that's four runs per game that's not enough from a lineup that's supposed to be the thing that's carrying the team that's solid production for a team maybe like the guardians who are expecting their pitching to really carry through carry them through a lot uh, but for a team like the Cardinals, who are relying on their offense to really carry the team, it's just not enough. Um, but I'll move on from the Cardinals, go back up uh, to the middle of the, of the division with the Cubs. They're going to get Seiya Suzuki back from injury soon. Uh, they've had a good start to the year. I don't know if I can trust this or not. I think this is about the level they'll play at for the rest of the year. Uh, maybe not 5-4, and four, but, you know, just hovering around 500, I think, is where they'll be. I, I think they're a solid... Solid team. They have talent, obviously. They have Dansby Swanson. They have Seiya Suzuki. They have some good players. Uh, Ian Happ, obviously. Marcus Stroman has had a great start to the year. But uh, they don't have enough good players, in my opinion, to be a playoff team. But they can at least 
make a run at it. Um, and maybe in, in kind of a weakened central division, maybe they have the slightest chance to make the playoffs. And then you have the Reds who, I mean, I guess I'm impressed that they're not at the bottom of the division. Some of their young talent has been playing pretty well this year. Um, but at the same time, don't really see them keeping it up. So I'll just kind of leave them where they are. Uh, congratulations to them on a pretty good start. Uh, but, you know, they played the Pirates as well. They played a relatively light schedule, so I'm not too impressed with the Reds, but at the same time, they're getting wins. That's really all you can ask for. Uh, well, they're not getting that many wins. They're only 4-5, and five, but you get what I'm saying. Um, let's move on to the National League West, maybe the division of my actual expertise. Um, I have watched all these teams play this year, something I cannot say for the Reds. Sorry. Excuse- I know I have watched the Reds play a few times, actually, uh, but I will start with the Diamondbacks, who, other than the Dodgers, have been my most watched team of the year. Perhaps that's because the Dodgers have played them eight times in the year already. Uh, but look, the Diamondbacks are at the top of the NLS, something that not many predicted. Although I will say it's a little bit peculiar to have a team who's won four in a row. They're seven and four in the season. They have a zero run differential on the year. And yet the team that they've played for eight of their 11 games has a plus 24 run differential, but is six and five on the season. Uh, the reason why that happened, of course, uh, obviously the team that I'm talking about that they played so much is the Dodgers, are the Dodgers who are six and five, uh, and the Padres are also six and five as well. We'll get through the division standings in a second. Uh, but look, the Dodgers lost two games to the Diamondbacks, two to one. Um, the Diamondbacks did win a few games in the most recent series that were just, I mean, they just could not stop scoring, uh, putting up runs on the board, and that really raised the Dodgers team ERA a lot. But at the same time, the Dodgers probably you could make the argument should have swept the Diamondbacks the first time around. And then if the Diamondbacks had taken three or four from them the second time around, the Dodgers would be five and three against the Diamondbacks this season instead of the Dodgers being three and five and the Diamondbacks being five and three against the Dodgers. And then in their other series with the Padres, they split that series and then they got a win last night, I believe, over Milwaukee. Uh, But look, I actually do believe that the Diamondbacks can make a run at the playoffs. Like if, if I'm looking at the NL right now, My playoff teams would be the Dodgers, the Padres, the Diamondbacks, the Brewers, the Cardinals, the Braves, and the Mets. I would put in the Diamondbacks over the Phillies right now just because I think they're going to have such a hot start to the season, or they have had such a hot start to the season. I think they can keep carrying that forward, and they've already played the toughest games on their schedule. I think two-thirds of it with the new schedule. I think you only play your divisional opponents 12 times. They played the Dodgers eight times already, so those are normally the games, and they've already played the Padres twice also, so those are the games that you kind of dread because you're playing that really big opponent but they're five and three against the Dodgers this season and that is something that can actually propel them to maybe be a playoff contender this year and as much as the Phillies are going to get better when they get healthier the Diamondbacks are so young that they're going to get even better by the end of the year because their whole roster is going to significantly improve um, as these young guys get more experience so I'm a big believer in the Diamondbacks as it stands right now would have them in the playoffs uh, but let's go to the rest of this division. I talked about the Padres and the Do- and the Dodgers as two playoff teams. Padres also six and five. Dodgers six and five. Uh, I kind of talked about the Dodgers Diamondback series. Talked a little bit about the Padres. Really, these teams are doing what you expect them to at the beginning of the year. Um, in the Padres case, maybe not as much offensive inconsistency as the Dodgers have had. I believe the Dodgers up until their last loss against the Diamondbacks, had one hit with runners in scoring position in their four losses to start the year, which is just insane because they were hitting above 350, I think, in wins with runners in scoring position. So that 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 drought is going, that gap is going to close and they're going to be a little bit more consistent as the season goes on, I would assume. Uh, but the Padres, 
you know, they haven't played as well as you'd expect them to, but they're going to get Fernando Tatis back soon. Uh, they're going to get Joe Musgrove back soon, and they're going to start playing even better. So the 6-5 and five start is nothing to scoff at, considering they played the Diamondbacks, they've played the Braves. They've had a decent schedule so far. Um, and the Dodgers, same situation, played the Diamondbacks, played the Rockies, um, had a good bounce back uh, by playing the Giants um, and getting a 9-1 to win last night. Um, maybe a little bit of a jump start in intensity while playing your rival there. Uh, but we'll look, the Dodgers have to play out of the division before we can really start to judge them because uh, this, this division is pretty good top to bottom. Uh, but most of these teams have just been playing each other so many times that it's really hard to judge if they're just kind of all beating up on each other, like it's the Big Ten basketball, or if it's like the Big 12 where, you know, they're going to go, you know, to make the analogy out of conference and just stomp everybody as well. Uh, but we'll just have to see as that as the season carries on. The Dodgers will be playing the Cubs and the Mets later this week, so that'll be an interesting opportunity. And then they play the Cubs again later on. Uh, so there will be opportunities for those teams to go out of the division, and we will see um, how those teams do. The, Bra- the Padres did pretty well against the Braves as well. I should mention that. Um, so we'll see what happens there. But the Rockies, they're five and six. Uh, they're just kind of doing Rockies things. You know, I don't really think this team is built to win anything, but at the same time, pretty decent start to the year for them. And then the Giants, this team is the brand of inconsistency itself. I believe they're averaging a little bit over one and a half runs per game in losses, but they're averaging nine runs per game in wins. It's just insane the difference in production that they're getting um, in wins versus losses, but that inconsistency is the reason why they've had such a poor start. Um, but look, I was going to try to make a transition with poor start, but there is no transition from a poor start because this was a great podcast start to finish. Uh, but that wraps up this edition of the 4th and 24 podcast, this special commemorative edition, 200th episode of the podcast. Uh, please be sure to check out our next podcast, which will be uh, on Tuesday, April 18th, obviously sticking with Tuesdays for now. Maybe that'll change back in the summer, but at least for the next seven or so weeks, that will be the schedule. Uh, where we will recap my weekend predictions. However, we can look at the NBA, this time with playoff action starting, uh, which will be a much longer look than it's been in the past, and our second weekly look at MLB action. In the meantime, please be sure to check out my additional content, including my picks for next weekend's games that will be posted, as always, on Thursday, and my MLB power rankings that will now be updated every Wednesday for the rest of the season. All of that on our website, 4thand24.com. That's the number 4, T-H-A-N-D, the number 24.com. Thank you for listening.